Hello, this is Improvised Radio Theatre with Dice, with me, Michael Kuehl. And me, Roger Bell-West. This is a galley-muffry of uh, chat about role-playing games and other matters of interest, and this month we're going to talk about what are we talking about? Well, the games we always play, what, what do those things have in common that, you know, what, what is a Michael game or a Roger game look like? And we'll be chatting about the mysteries of the universe and how to explore them carefully without blowing it up. And finally, taking a look at Chains of Commands. We've talked briefly about military games before, but uh, how, how do you make a campaign work or how do you make a party work when some of them can give orders to others? Yeah, personal touch, militarily speaking. Onwards. The rattle of the dice, the snap of a bar of 80% uh, pure chocolate, the smell of uh, the kebab that somebody has brought in, and the benevolent gaze of St Paul preaching to the ancient Britons and the fact that the council have failed to uh, uh, to turn on the heating once again, we're bloody freezing, indicates we're, that we're back in the gaming hut. And uh, that introduction, for those of you who pay attention to such things, is a rip-off of what you will hear almost every week on Ken and Robin Talk About Stuff, which is one of our favourite podcasts, we listen to it. And uh, one of the remarks on that podcast has caused me to... Um, trigger this next segment. The remark being Ken Height's remark that all of his campaigns tend to become either planetary, uh, the Warren uh, the Warren Ellis, I think it is, um, uh, comic book, or uh, Tim Powers declare, and it's the job of his players to figure out uh, which it is this time. Before he does. Before he does, yes. Well, they, that, that gives them an advantage, they think. Now, this this leads me to two questions, the first of which uh, is, what would my players say is my default campaign tending towards? Now, it seems to me the obvious way to resolve this is for each of us to call out each other's standard clichés, and then we never need to talk to each other again. (laughs) But in fact, we don't play in that many of each other's games, so this becomes slightly harder. Roger (laughs) tends to play science fiction, I tend to play fantasy. Yes, yeah. for certain except with certain exceptions. I, I think there there is more certainly more to my default game than that. Okay, if, if, I, if I look over the things I've been running recently, an awful lot of them tend to be set in the real world because the maps are better. Yeah, and because historical research is fun, um, they are very often investigative of happenings that may or may not be criminal, but are in some way related to the strangeness that is the core of the campaign. Mm. Um. The PCs have some degree of that strangeness themselves, which is how they know about it, yeah. why, why they're involved. But they are basically integrated with society. They might be you know, a special unit of the police or MI5 or something. You know, they, they, they have a place to be. Yeah, they're, they're not on the run. Um, very often they're the only ones who really know about this strangeness, or at least the only vaguely organised group, uh, rather than you know the classic superhero thing where everybody knows that there are superpowers, it, it's, it tends to be a very fairly secret thing. The long term plot is usually finding out more about this, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, okay, that that's a fairly fuzzy description, but it describes the World War Two game, the nineteen sixties psy campaign, um, 
my current 1930s investigative game, even even Madness dossier to some extent. Well, so it, it does seem to be a rut I've got into. I, I, I run other games as I well, think, but I think, but I I think, think that is my default. I think what you are tending towards is something like a 1970s uh, British semi-fantastic thing, like I don't know, Department S. Or, I'm not familiar. With all that right. One. Well, no, it was it was it was where Jason Wingard got his start, which is is no reason to 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 blame him blame it entirely. Um, but 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 uh, uh, you're you're dealing with something where they have connections to um, to authorities. Mine tend to be right. Yes, I will work in the quote real world, but I do have a love of well crafted uh, fantasy worlds, Glorantha and Tecumel, and uh, uh, Steve Jackson Games' is uh, Earth, the world of the Banestorm, are all secondary creations that I feel I can absorb and riff off and I enjoy doing that but I do like doing the the, the real world mostly my games inf- involve fantastical elements and magic because I think I can we're going to come back to the the laws of magic later on in this but I think I can improvise better than about that than I can about things that go bang and blow up mm-hmm. um, and I've done both the they are part of the authorities or they are the authorities and that's fun it ramps up the responsibility and i've done they are um a bunch of semi outsiders private investigators people who who do do semi dirty things for people who don't want all their dealings brought to the attention of the authority mm. but wherever it is they're they're set up they're place they go home to the authority they had is always a little equivocal they can they never have absolute power they never even when they're the ones in charge they have to be constrictions on their ability to um, explain their power i think looking at it my default game tends towards being buffy the vampire slayer Hmm. i uh, people who know stuff um, people who have special powers, but who don't have absolute authority, they cannot call in the uh, the the United States Air Force that often. Um, yeah, my, mine has drifted more towards at least friendly relationships with authority. My my touchstone on this is all right. Can, can we phone up the police and say send ten of your least imaginative coppers to surround this house, and if anybody comes out, um, do not listen to what he says, just arrest him. Yeah. That, my, that sort of thing. My own feeling is, uh, yeah, my own feeling is that that that's it's too much fun watching them explain things to people who mm. don't really believe what or conning things out of people who don't really believe what's going on. The laundry is an interesting setup in as much as they have theoretically the power and authority of Her Majesty's government and the spookiest bits of it too, but actually they are constrained by internal politics and the fact they've got to keep the secret. Yeah, if I were running the laundry, I think I would be very tempted. Yeah, Okay, I should say, first of all, there is an official laundry RPG, and I've been in a GURPS laundry game run by John Donald before that came out. But if I were running it for some bizarre reason, I would probably steal the old GURPS 3rd Ed sourcebook, GURPS Conspiracy X. Hmm. Because that has some very complicated mechanisms for um, getting favours either from 
your so-called friends or from <laughs> other departments that are in theory supposed to be on the same side as you. Yeah. So you, you use up a certain amount of, of um, the favours that you can ask for to get a particular thing and it regenerates fairly slowly. Yeah. And, so, and sometimes they'll ask you for favours and things like that. And that, that seems to me to be something that would fit with, with the laundry mindset. Yeah. Uh, resource management in favours, yeah, which, is, uh, which is a common enough thing and I think fairly realistic. One of the things I think I'm having trouble with in my Dracula dossier campaign is that they are pretty much total outsiders and hunted by everybody. And I think it's boring my players. I've currently shifted them into the ambit of the German vampire controlling um, conspiracy who want them to act as a deniable um, pair of tongs to go and mm. do do things with. And I'm not quite sure whether I should have them betray uh, the player characters or not. It's uh, they're, kind of, look, they're, they're sending them out, them out to try and kill Dracula for good mm. this time. That and, trick never works. Well, no, no they, they believe they have... Um, a sufficient handle on, on what's going to be needed. It depends on whether they can do it with everything else that's going on. I'm, I must admit my tendency in this sort of situation is to think that factions are fractal. So that they have the, the, this German organisation, but that yeah. German organisation is made up of people. Yeah. And some of those people aren't going to be, uh, either going to be following their own preferences first or just are going to be traitors. Well, there are, they've already encountered one, uh, one, at least one traitor, which means that they're going to be, as soon as they can get briefed and equipped and pointed at the problem, they're going to be separated hard from, mm-hmm. uh, uh, from and, um, and placed under the rubric of utterly plausible deniability. But, yeah, I, I think it's been having people that far out, which is the default setting for um, Knights Black Agents, is difficult for me to run, and I'm not entirely sure why. It it does seem that it ought to prioritise survival more highly than the default game. I mean, the, what one advantage of my system is that okay, if, if we want to do a session about about the PCs' home lives, we can. Yeah. But fundamentally, we can assume that they they do leave most of that stuff behind at the end of the day. Yeah, I think soap opera which is supposed to be one of the core mechanisms of Knights Black Agents one of the things that keeps people sane uh, is the fact that your 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 beloved uh, mother uh, and or your old college and or whatever you like is still going on back home is that is proving damn difficult to work in because they are if I blow up their old college it looks forced <laughs> I mean, I could. I can do it any time. You can always say rocks fall, everybody dies. But it's just too easy to do. And I think I think that has to be a fault in the system. They are not going to go anywhere near the people who are, who are vulnerable. They don't need to. They're jet-setting secret agents. Yeah, I, I wonder if... I, not specifically in the context of Knights Black Agent, but of a mechanism like this, I wonder if you, you could get away with something mechanical saying essentially you, you need to go and see them. Yeah. It, whatever. 
uh, every so often it, it will get you you know five points of sanity back yeah I, they i should be f- forcing them to do that more often but and then the more often you do it the, the more likely your enemy that your enemies are to find out aha that's something that's important to him yeah i'm, I'm sure that's there in the rules somewhere that that, I that's, that's burned down his granny you know <sighs> well look, look, i've got i've got i've got the doctor's mother on the run and the, and the young girl, girl, the the, the hard woman uh, saved from terrorists, is currently in, in an asylum and calling out for for uh, to be turned into a vampire by Dracula, her master. <laughs> so I think I've done as much as I can. <laughs> Getting back to topic, rather than wandering off into my current problems, um, I would say my games tend to involve the discovery of ancient secrets. I really like the Tolkien-esque trope of the shadow of the past and stuff that has gone on on before and discovering the things that have been forgotten and suppressed by the world is going to be one of the uh the major tropes and i really like religious themes uh, my players moan about it a little and i uh if it's set in the real world i will somehow try to drag in irem of the pillars because <laughs> you know i want i want there to be something there and like Dragging in gypsies and uh, and a- ancient Arabic mi- uh, mystery and and I could do all that with Irem of the Pillars and I've done it about four or five times. I really must I really must find myself a different mystery to work into every single bloody background. I've only used it once, I think. Hmm. That that was um, we, we we have through the in in the medium near future we have through um, various trials and tribulations managed to get back to Earth after hyperspace has stopped working and ancient alien warship has followed us. It's lining up its great big cannon on Earth. It's blown up a random patch of desert before we managed to stop it. Why? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's nice to know why they think you are dangerous. Earth is dangerous. We must blow it up. It's always a good. Is I I I like the trope. I've used it a few times of the, mostly in my writing rather than my games, of Earth having been the great evil galactic empire. It's perhaps because I'm British, and <laughs> um, that and and the and when we make contact with them out there, they say they are back. We must destroy them. There is a quote I've seen somewhere. People of Mars, your puny weapons are, are ineffective against us. Uh, this is Earth. What? Earth with nuclear weapons, Earth? We come in peace! <laughs> I'm always a little dubious about ancient secrets because an ancient secret ought to have affected the world. It does, but secretly, that's the thing. Yeah, I, I just think about how bad people are at keeping secrets in the real world. You don't know that. You assume that just because... Yeah, yeah. But uh, just because uh, just because embarrassing things turn up because you know somebody happens to have recorded your late night conversation, which you discuss beating up a journalist for your friend, or rather giving your friend the information so he can beat up the journalist himself. Um, that but, you, but you, you believe is... that just because uh, you don't know how much embarrassing and dark stuff is still out there and never gets mentioned. The, the, the have, approach I have to take just for my own consistency yeah. is that this stuff has been out there. It is so out there that, well, part, part of the camouflage is is a is the dis- general disbelief in, as it might be, magic. Uh, yeah, yeah, so, right. yeah if, if there is a secret brotherhood of magicians, there are very few of them. Yeah. They are all uh, agreed that 
magic becoming a thing that people believe in would be a bad idea. Yeah. Um, and they are probably extremely rich because, let's face it, why wouldn't they be in that situation? Well, that's assuming magic is useful. And, and hey, if it, if, it, if it were only dangerous, then you'd have real trouble keeping it under control because people like to run towards dangerous things and uh, think they can handle it, the idiots. Yeah, and and if it's too too monstrously hazardous to use, well, there are still going to be fanatics. Yeah, and I I don't I find it difficult even then even say you have a secret society of thirteen or something down the ages I find it difficult to believe that they wouldn't have accidentally let at least one fanatic into their number over such a long time. There's uh, there's a, there's a book I enjoy talking of conspiracy called In The Country of the Blind by Michael Flynn. Ah, yes. I think I think I've mentioned it before. Which is about uh, cleology, the science of analysing history, where it has been and where it is going. And one of the rules of it is any group will gradually distort its purpose. As you recruit new people, they will reinterpret what it is you are doing, whether it's a religion or a company or a political movement. They will change the meaning as you, and and it's an inevitable thing, and you can't maintain mm-hmm. a conspiracy over any length of time because people die and there is distortion. Yeah, messages. It's all, um, it's all Chinese whispers and jungle telegraphs and what have you. Even if you started off as this is the really obvious thing to do, we all agree on it. Yeah, but yes, but there are certain exceptions. One thing I should say, the other question, if we can wrap this up, is I was wondering, that arose out of Ken Height's remark, was how can I rip off planetary? For those of you who don't know, uh, planetary is a comic book series which is about a world in which there are comic book type superheroes and... um, mysteries and pulp superheroes and alien intrusions and monsters on an uh, on an island near Japan for no readily apparent reason mm. and planetary is the organization which goes out and investigates its stuff and publishes a journal about it and are archaeologists of the weird they also have a secret conspiratorial purpose but that doesn't come out until towards the end doesn't everybody Everybody needs a secret conspiratorial uh, purpose. And when I figure out what mine is, I'm not recruiting you, Roger. (laughs) I wouldn't try. But, so how do I rip this off? Is it fun? You had an objection from the start, which was you didn't get the references. Well, I haven't read the... I haven't read Planetary. Well, uh, hang on. Having read about Planetary, I get the impression that it's a lot of... Uh, just as League of Gentlemen requires you to be versed in a lot of um, yeah. 19th century and early 20th century pulp literature yeah. to, to really get the point of it. In that case, I am. In this case, I get the impression there there is lots of comics history tied up in there, which I simply don't know about. Yeah, would that make a difference? Well, if part of the intended pleasure of the thing is is spotting at least some of the references. Yeah, um, I do. Not, I only have one player in my group who is quite as fanatical about comic books and that sort of reference as I am. Can I use this in any way? What sort of references would people get? You've got things like... It, it, it strikes oh. me that this is a genre like Warehouse 23 or whatever it's calling itself, Warehouse 13, or uh, or, 
or something like like that, which goes out and finds the weird and investigates it and makes stories out of that. Yeah, hang on a minute. This 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 is meta, isn't it? I mean, the the point of the thing, the point of the comic is to is in part to talk about other things that have happened in comics. Yeah. So obviously, the point of the game is to talk about other things that have happened in games. Ooh. It would be nice if I believed that games had enough cultural impact, but I've got a feeling that would disappear. Yes, but you're running, you're running this for gamers. This is true. I don't mean things that have happened in your campaign specifically. I mean things that have become known as the sort of thing that happens in a game. So... Uh, so, so there is the occasional underground complex with, with, with monsters that are just in stasis until somebody arrives, for example. Ah, I have a feeling that disappears up its own arsehole in very rapid order. I'm not sure there's enough. There are, there are decades. All right, it's 30 years. But there's, there's, there's pushing a century of, of comic book um, heroes... And, a, and certainly that much, much in, the, in, the, in the related pulp lines. Um, I don't know. Um, so maybe it's not a very long-term game. No, true. But I don't understand... Excuse me. There's a, there's a comic book called Albion, which is a tribute to the really awful comics that we had when we were... When we're when, when, well, I had. Maybe it was before your time. When we were when we were kids, the British published things uh, like Archie, the battling British robot, and uh, 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 that that sort of thing was probably before your time in the sixties and seventies, Roger. I'll take your word for it. I was I was never a huge comics fan anyway. So all right, but and 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 they they managed to put uh, that together because it had enough emotional impact on enough people. But I got to say, gamers don't. We'd like to think we do. In subtle ways, maybe we do. But I don't think gamers have had that much impact on the cultural whatchamacallit. Why would anybody hide deep secrets in games? You can hide... De- it's, it because they're just paying attention. Yeah. Right. Um. Excuse me. The, the point at which, at which my players realise that um, what they're exploring is a crashed Aslan... Aslan star, starship on Earth, or well, actually, a crashed ancient starship on Earth, and that insectoid creature over there may be grandfather. The point at which they realise this is is the point at which they start throwing things at me. <laughs> now, uh, I've got a feeling there might be something in the genre of um, of planetary, but um, I'm not quite sure. What it is, you're right. The buy-in may be entirely too high, but I've got a feeling that even my players who don't get the references might enjoy watching Robert go Giebel as he. Re- re- uh, this means, unfortunately, that Robert would have to play himself. Um, uh, he would have to play. Um, I'll see if I can get him to leave the obsession with motorcycles at home. But but he can bring here. He can he can be the be the comic book geek. That they are consulting about the truth of things. Maybe, maybe one day. Uh, don't, don't, don't. Please feel free to rip off that idea. Anybody at home who fi- finds it slightly amusing. That that does seem to me the the approach that one. Uh, well, a couple of approaches that one one could take. You know, it, it is exploring the 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 well the backwaters anyway, but the significance of 
these these minor forgotten whatevers, or even these reasonably well known whatevers. Yeah, the true story behind the Hulk or the Lone Ranger, which is which are included in in Planetary. There's also other weird stuff which is entirely from the background itself and is, as far as I can tell, not a rip-off of anybody. One of the tricks you need to do, of course, as as see previous episode, is is you're you're essentially saying this this is a superhero world with with all the inconsistencies that brings. Yeah. And now you're going to explore it and and try to find something consistent under it. Yeah. Which I would regard as challenging. The other approach to it, I think, would be to rip off Astro City, uh, which is a soap opera. It, it Basically, it's the soap opera bits of numerous superhero comics patched together into a series <laughs> so that you see the, uh, the, the things that uh, the Superman clone um, uh, dreams about. And you get the deep backstory of the Wonder Woman clone. And... But it, it, but it never focuses on one particular hero or even one particular group of heroes, but shifts so that City is the is the real star mm. of the series, and having the City as the star is something I'm sure we could do as a role playing game, but I'm not quite entirely sure how. Yeah, I have tended to set quite a few games around London, partly because I lived there for many years and I have good information about it. Yeah. Um, but as far as I'm concerned, there, there are two ways of, of, of setting a game like that. You can either say, this this is in the city. Hmm. Or you can say, right, this is going to be in London, or it's going to be in Boston or Chicago or whatever, and use the, the things that are weird and specific to that. And I think it's much more interesting to do the latter. It's easier to do, but I want that... I, I have an urge towards creating an entirely made-up city... Um, the the Peter's game uh, we're we're in a, a game together of uh, Savage Worlds, um, which is sort of a D and D ish clone. Um, is is set in a city with numerous gates around it, and he's exploiting. I would like to do something like that, but bigger and weirder, and, and <laughs> uh, with more room to say. There's a huge neighbourhood over there. You don't want to go there. They're weird uh, in it, but I'm enjoying the gritty level that he's doing. All right. Have we exhausted this? I think so. Let's move on. Faithful listener Brett Effel wrote to us about Sanderson's Laws of Magic. Mm Mm-hmm. These being, an author's ability to solve conflict with magic is directly proportional to how well the reader understands it. The limitations of a magic system are more interesting than its capabilities. Mm -hmm. And expand on what you have already before you add something new. And it occurred to me from this that one can characterise game settings, game environments, as, I suppose, hard and soft like science fiction, but I tend to think of them more as, as rigorous and flabby. Tight and loose. Um... In, in a rigorous game, you can you can define you know, using the term technology loosely to to mean anything weird and anything that we anything don't currently use, have. Anything you can use to do something is technology. Yeah, what, what what I'm after is anything that we don't have an exemplar of in the real All world. Right. Fantastical technology. So high technology or magic or psionics or whatever else. Uh-huh. I mean, we can call we can call the magic for this purpose. Okay. Yes. Insufficient. Has has rules it works by. 
Yeah. It may be something that we currently regard as utterly impossible, like contragravity or moving things with the unaided power of your mind. Yeah. But it behaves consistently, at least as far as PC interactions are concerned. I mean, we're we're not trying to resolve resolve the quantum indeterminacies and so on and say this is exactly how the FTL works. Because if we could, we'd be at Alpha Centauri by now. Correct. But it it should behave in in a way that works, yeah, consistently, um, as opposed to it does what's needed for the plot that week. Yeah. Uh, and Brett suggests, and I, I'm inclined to agree, that role-playing games do particularly benefit from this because I, either you've got... Yeah, looking at it a different way, if, if, you, if the res- resolution of your adventure is aha, uh, in a methane atmosphere, an oxygen leak is a horribly dangerous thing. Yeah. That's something I think most, most gamers will understand, um, though they may not immediately think of it. Yeah. Uh, if if the resolution is aha, thanks to this this fine point of how the FTL system works, that that claim was impossible. I know some players who would probably be enough into FTL systems to to um, pay attention and think, oh, hang on a minute, and all oh, right, I'm probably one of them. But I think many players probably wouldn't be. Uh, and and it's suggested that um, explosions and fistfights and kisses yeah. are universal in films because everybody understands explosions and fistfights and kisses. Ah, uh, there are some of those that I wish I understood better and more frequently. Um, at least one category. The yeah, yeah explosives are really hard to get these days. Yeah, yeah, and and fist fights are sometimes hard to avoid. But so, so in the game, I you you've got two problems. One one is that the um, players may not understand or may not immediately grasp something that might be obvious to the characters. Yeah. Um, but also players who do understand can't be told not to come up with something. Well, yeah, the, there are two problems. First of all, uh, yeah, I, I the the point at which you put all the clues in front of the players and they go what is horribly familiar. Um, and and is it as is the point at which you say yes, but don't you understand? Hemophilia means that their blood wouldn't have clotted. You did get that, didn't you? Um, and there is also the horrible point at which the players turn to you and say, yes, but if it can do A, why can't it do B? The, yeah, I, in, in a badly written book, the characters can simply be caused not to think of that. You cannot get away with this in a role-playing game. No. Um, the the problem... Well, you want to have laid out... that There are two sorts of, of gaming experience here. There is the gaming experience where the technology comes to you as a package that's already been worked out and the GM has thought it through and said, these are the limits, this is what I want, want it to be able to do. Um, it takes a week for a ship to jump through uh, through hyperdrive. It can only go this far and then it has to refuel. Um, this is why exploration is difficult. This is why this, this, and this. Mm-hmm. And then there's a the point at which you are the players are the discoverers or explorers of the technology and they're asking uh, all the awkward questions and designing the experiments quite often to see if they can make the damn thing do this. Yeah, this can to some extent reduce to a construct of the players exploring the GM's mind, mm. which is fun, but not necessarily the only thing you want to have going on. Well, quite. Um, the, well, the GM likes... I liked, um, in my recent Magic game, having the players explore my mind and my mind reacting by saying, well, what would happen? 
let's give it a try. I had certain things fixed in my mind, like the existence of the soul and that the, there was a difference between spirit and soul, um, and a third, and that between that and mind as well. We never actually got to explore it terribly clearly, but it was definitely there, and I was working towards it. Mm. Um, but the the players did come up with lots of questions, some of them based around physics and some of them based around um, what I had said before or what they thought I had implied. Hey. And that's that's an awkward bugger, especially especially with magic. Yeah, um, I agree. Yeah, I, I'm fortunate I have one player in particular who will happily interrogate me at length by email hmm. um, about you know, just, just how does this particular thing that the characters have the information about and can experiment with work. Yeah. And I uh, looking back I should have taken more of that to email. Um it would have been wise. Well it's it's not just that, it's that he he will come up with this usually before it comes up in play. Hmm. And then I have a long email chain which I can distill down to make some notes on how it actually works in the game. That's fair. The limits are yeah, limits are important because the limits are where are where the drama happens. The fact hmm. that you can't do everything is what makes uh makes for drama and for decisions. You have to choose A or B. You can't do both. Can you find C, which would resolve would resolve both both problems? And that's the sort of thing that I think uh, adventures and excitement uh, is made of. Especially if you make that uh, make that thaumatology roll at the last minute whilst you're standing over the bubbling volcano, look at the bubbling volcano, wondering if you can survive this. The I think the GM should not be the one who is saying what the solution is. You do need to go in to most situations where you're exploring a new technology with an idea that there is a path out. You have to have your default path out but so that they can be saved or figure something out or so you can drop hints. But what you want to do ideally is to drop the thing in their lap without a perfectly clear idea of how they're going to resolve it. Because mm. they may look at the problem and say, that's not the problem I thought it, uh, the GM thought it was. It's actually this problem. And they may be right. It's not always my rotten description. Sometimes it's them seeing things in this situation that I didn't see. While, while I would consider myself mostly a simulationist GM, I'm entirely happy if a, if a player has suggested... So something that I think is more interesting than what I came up with, then yeah. I'm entirely happy to take that because it's more interesting. And the players will be happy with it because it's something they thought of. Yeah, quite. Of course, then you have the problem that they they have discovered the, the, the magical doodah and it's going to de defang large amounts of the plot that you had ahead or that's going to... If it leads to problems, then it's good. If it leads to solutions to things that you are planning to use, then it's not so good. They, I have I have a tendency to 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 want to say I want to stick in a limitation and um, a difficulty every single time. My players sometimes think this is unfair. Um, I don't, but then I'm Jim and I'm prejudiced. Yeah, I, one of the things I, I enjoy doing and I don't get to do very often is designing an FTL system mm. and then working out from that. Honestly, you normally only need about one per campaign. I mean, unless unless you're running um, David Brin's uh, 
Yeah, all anyway. right. Well, I, no, um, no, more than one can be fun. More than one magic system in a campaign can be fun too. But the the thing is, particularly working out from from a set of basic assumptions on how it works, um, how does this affect the universe? You know, do do you have a thing that gives you um, space fleets clashing in orbit above a planet, or do you have pirates and raiders, or do you have um, a jump point in the outer system with a great big fortification around it? Hmm. Things like that. Yeah, defending a whole solar system is. Too mind-boggling to think about it, really. If you're going to, yeah, this also feeds into how obvious are spaceships. Are, are we being vaguely realistic? Where, where your multi-megawatt reactor produces a multi-megawatt heat signature that you can spot from multiple AUs away, or do you actually have stealth ships? Yeah, and so on. I'm, uh, yeah, the 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 detect, detection and mobilization. I the more I think about it, the horrider. I get. Uh, I find the idea of the cheap uh, of the cheap jump drive, uh, which <laughs> is a uh, which is a staple of some uh, of some American libertarian leaning uh, SF, which says if only we could go out and find a new frontier and settle it and and, and, and be free of, of government and and. There is an interesting pair of books by Jerry Altion, um, in which our, our hero invents. Very cheap FTL. Yeah. Uh, calculating the coordinates is quite hard, but you basically calculate the coordinates, apply a small amount of power, and pop your sphere is somewhere else. Yeah. So, okay, first of all, there are some practical problems, like you don't have any sort of space drive, you, you can't adjust your um, relative velocity to the, thing, to the thing you popped out there. Also, you have to land on it. Yeah. And so on. But he get yeah, th- this guy was, was publishing in, uh, in a Pornell anthology in, in the 80s, and which, which implies yeah. things about his, his political viewpoints. But when he, when he expanded this novel length a few years later, yeah. it's, hang on a minute, this, this is going to produce complete chaos. Yeah. Not only in the places where people go, but on Earth as well. Yeah. And um, that I don't think it's a spoiler to say that the pair of books ends up with, in effect, setting up an interstellar government, because otherwise it's just going to be horrible. Yeah. Which is not the sort of thing I expect from from an American libertarian. I, th- I think he may have matured a bit. <laughs> uh, I got over my libertarian phase, um, um, eventually, you know. The problem with expanding, eventually you are going to have to expand, I think, with most... With most... Invent- uh, if you want there to be more stories that are about this magic, this technology, this whatever then eventually you have to expand. I I would say as a side note that if you're going to have a weirdness in a world, that implies to some extent that the world should be about it. Yeah. Um, Well, Otherwise, it's it's a background detail that doesn't affect things. In a way, uh, nuclear weapons in our real world is a background detail that doesn't affect things, except it's a background detail that affects everything. Hmm. Um, Don't ask how many nuclear weapons have been in my games. How many have gone off? Uh, four or five, I think. Did they have a good excuse? Montreal. That is not an excuse. I'm a dreamer, Montreal. I've, I've been there. That was the excuse. I see, right. No, no, no. Wolverhampton and Kidderminster are entirely too close to places that I like. Billingham, on the other hand. Um, the... Yeah, but it's always there. If you want, but eventually, if you want the game to be about this new technology, eventually you're going to have to 
have somebody come up with um, a new discovery about it, a new way of doing it. Yeah, in the 1960s Psy game, that that was the big concert at Windsor where all of a sudden several hundred thousand people hmm. got themselves psionically activated. Many, uh, of, many of them didn't survive. That was that was that was that a, a GM imposed accident, or uh, yes, okay. There's the other sort, which is where the players are start thinking about dangerous thoughts. Do you let them do it? Should you, if you've got a clear idea that what they're doing is going to lead to disaster, should you let them do it? Given that they're going to moan and complain and tell tell you afterwards that you didn't warn them. <laughs> It depends on the tone of the game, I think, on the nature of the uh, of, of the universe, whether it's it's optimistic, pessimistic, or what. Yeah, I'm. I am a fan of player agency in general. I, I, I'm. I am not writing a, a tremendous timeless novel for the ages. I'm. I'm getting together with some friends for us jointly. Yeah. To create something that we enjoy. Um, and as far as that's concerned, I, I the the agency of the play characters is fairly limited yeah. generally but within that I don't see why they shouldn't screw things over entirely yeah uh, I think I think my players would go would go along with that and ob- obviously unless they are tremendously powerful then yeah. there will be people trying to unscrew what they screw up yeah but it, it only takes uh, one fool to do uh, things that a hundred wise men uh, it'll take a hundred wise men to un- uh, uh, to clean up in the World War Two game, a, a fairly minor thing that a couple of the players were concerned about may turn out to have huge implications after the war. Um, they they tweaked the invasion of Italy very slightly, mm. so that in, instead of um, stopping for uh, uh, to basically go go into Rome and have have a huge triumphal entry there, yeah, uh, the Allied forces pushed on, cut off the retreating Germans, and uh, cut them up piecemeal. Yeah. Which doesn't seem immediately obviously important, different, but, but a, a a bunch of Germans who were later on involved in in the fighting further north yeah. won't be. Um, Italy has fallen. Uh, Germany is no longer subsidising Italian industry, but also Germany is not getting the output of Italian industry. Yeah, and so on. It, it, it's a matter of bringing things forward a few months. There is there is the possibility particularly after the winter of 44, that the Allies may start to push north into Austria. Mm. It's not great. The roads aren't ideal for invading Austria. Let's face it, invading Austria is hard work anyway. But if they do, then um, Austria may well be much more shared in the spheres of influence after the war. Yeah. Because it won't be just the Soviets who came across there. uh, uh, Were there any later historically important persons involved in in the in the german force that got captured i don't think any, any of the really really big names were there uh-huh but hey it, it might it might be a connection it's a wikipedia research thing yeah for... it's been ro- rather more than that fortunately i've got one of the players to do most of the work for me oh nice <laughs> i think on the whole um playing with primal forces is dangerous and magic as an idea is about as primal as you're going to get, or at I, least it can be. You, you, your generic 
classic D and D, you you cast a spell, it does this magic. It's not particularly primal, but I think there are a lot of games where it is. Yeah, yeah. There there are games where the magic comes prepackaged, preset up, are fine, and they they make for gaming that starts quickly, but eventually. Players want to poke around in the meaning of things. Mm. And that's magic the, is fun. It, magic is fun. It's, it's a toy. It's a toy. So, so is an FTL drive or a, a matter duplicator. Uh, or um, <laughs> I tell you what, if I run myself through the matter duplicator, what do I get? Or, or thought experiments. You know, you 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 have a matter duplicator in the modern world. Yeah. How, how do you get rich without attracting attention? Drugs. No. Uh, that, that has some downsides. That has some downsides. Most of the things that are small and valuable will attract attention when you start selling them. Yeah, but that—that's that's a similar sort of process to what I what I like doing in games, and I think many of my players do too. Oh, um, um, yeah, selling sixteen simul- identical, um, uh, unique, um, antique. Antiques simultaneously in different auction rooms across the world. <laughs> it'll get you talked about, but I don't know it'll get you traced. Mm. But th- this this is a sort of thing I enjoy. And so yeah, I'm I'm very much coming down on on the uh, let, let's be rigorous about things side in all this yeah. because it's it's a toy box to play with. Well, true. the The trouble with being rigorous um, is that you have to make your mind up in advance about all the things that you can conceive of as the GM. Or at least have some guiding principles that will let you fill in the details. All right. We should discuss at some time guiding principles of magic, as mm. qua magic, because um, I, 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 maybe I'm too caught up in the, in the lore of it, um, not as much as one of my players is, but in the lore of it and in the... But the, I, the in the tropes of fantasy novels and series and games, to be able to see what the logical questions are that should be being asked. I think for a future segment. Yeah. Okay. Well, we're looking into at the other end of this sort of thing. I'm just remembering running Transhuman Space. Yeah. Which I did did for a few months. Um, the problem in that that I was finding at least was not the wide, wide range of it because that, that was fine. I, I was restricting it to a fairly specific area, yeah. but there are lots of plots that just don't work. Uh, it is very unusual for somebody to find a bit of information and, be, and then be the only person who has that yeah. other than the people who originated it because they can tell the world in a matter of milliseconds. Hmm. It, you, you don't have the, we stumble across a bit of conspiracy thing very often and you absolutely don't have stealthy spacecraft. I can see they're not stealthy spacecraft, but I but I'm sure there should be tools for conspirators in the in the future tech. Sure, but then how do you get the PCs involved? That's the thing. You you, you need a restricted leak, not yeah. a not a leak to nobody and not a leak to everybody. It's a problem, yeah. And that I, I was finding that was significantly constraining the types of adventure I could run. Yeah. Um, in in terms of hidden information. I think my problem with um, transhuman space is it's not quite as fantastical as I want transhumanism to be. It's not. Uh, it's not. Um, what's it called? Eclipse phase. True. Um, which goes more towards the, the the deep issues and annoyingly, 
has um, pre-generated answers to the deep issues, which I don't actually agree with. <laughs> um, it would be interesting to do the to to do the see what how my how my players would test um, the idea of whether um, things have souls, whether the whether there is a capacity to infinitely duplicate somebody. If you do duplicate somebody, do they stay the same? Or do that? How how do they drift? That's a, that sort of thing would be mm. interesting to to watch. But then I would have ha- have to have maybe I could roll dice to, to decide <laughs> between the various options. We would have to see. I think have we have we waffled into metaphysical area enough? I, well, I think so. Consider an example of, of a um, less rigorous, so a couple of less rigorous settings that I, I think would still be fun to play in. Something like Firefly. Where yeah. no, nobody knows or cares how the spaceships work, they just need fuel, and you need to pay for that fuel somehow, probably by doing something faintly dodgy. Yeah, my problem with with Firefly is nobody understands how they got there in the first place, or how they terraformed the bloody planets, and nobody asks. This is well, the the the, the writers never asked in the in, in the TV series. I want to know, damn it! I want to know how they did that. It seems important. It's like the nuclear weapons in the background of our world. The fact that you can go to this solar system and make huge swathes of it into Earth-like habitable planets and settle people there implies things about the powers you should have. Mm. And nobody has them. Yeah. Uh, uh, another example, which is, which is even further in that direction, of course, is Doctor Who, where you, you can come up with just about anything. Yeah, and, uh, and, the, and the stories you tell are—I think the good stories are not about the limitations of the technology. They—they they use that as a backdrop, but they're about people. Yeah, and and that—that's a different approach to this. And and if if your stories are primarily people, you can get away with a non-rigorous miracle base. I think. Yeah, the 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 thing the thing about Doctor Doctor Who is the amnesia for what has happened before. Um, I know it has its selling points. It makes the ongoing series possible. But um, just once, I would like some fan service that made sense on <laughs> Doctor Who. I really would. Fan service is not just a name check. Hmm. Fan service is saying, here's that thing you've always wondered about. Isn't it shiny? <laughs> I want more shiny. Oh, well. Let us move on. suggestion from Brett Evel is what about games in which player characters are in each other's chains of command and the map the adventures are in some way about execution of their duties in those chains of command um, the, the obvious example here is military um, yeah. though a police campaign would be would be similar in some ways there are obvious advantages and disadvantages to this the advantage is if you have if you're prepared to put up with a mission-based game yeah you know, this week your job is to X. Then obviously have, having superiors who assign you jobs. Yeah. Uh, a, a lot of a lot of games work on that basis. You don't have to mess mess around wondering where the adventure is. You yeah. just say, okay, you're investigating this murder. Yeah, but the problem um, I think that Brett is bringing up is that sometimes players have to give other players, or player, players have to have their characters give other characters orders. 
Yeah, but both playing a superior and playing a subordinate are their own role-playing challenges. Yeah. And if you're enjoying the, the challenge of the role-playing, then that's fine and good. If, on the other hand, um, you're not, then that, 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 that's, that's a huge sort of source of trouble if it's a huge source of trouble if the if the subordinate is ha- isn't having having fun being ordered around but british people seem to our british players seem to deal with this by playing dumb insolence very well or at least playing subordinates who aren't that subordinate Terribly well, the, well. the first thing I met on this is is that at least in the games I run, um, people don't want to be the person in charge. Yeah. I, I, I gather this is different in the US, but uh, certainly when I've hung up a, a, a sign-up sheet for a game with the names of the characters on it, and one of them is obviously the bloke in charge, that's always the last one to be signed up for. Hmm. Well, this is, this is wisdom because power is not a blessing. Well, authority is not a blessing. Power is a blessing if you, if it's the power to do things. But authority means responsibility, and responsibility <laughs> is a curse. I've generally seen... Um, players seem to like to make things informal within a team, whether there is a formal rank structure or not. So yeah. you know, they may well be a nominal leader. But even if he is technically in command of the rest generally what what i see is he will make suggestions rather than requirements um and if say the the team has decided right we're going to break into this base then the the person who is the specialist at breaking into things will will effectively be in charge while they're doing that yeah i i understand that real world special forces teams do something quite similar to this yeah we're uh roger is running and i'm playing in a game which uh which is the Royal Navy in space, and as the original cast of characters who were classmates at the Royal Navy's academy um, in, in space um, have split up and scattered across the fleet for their assignments, we're playing a, a troop game in which one of the original player characters is the centre, one for session and one the, one the next. I found myself as the commanding officer in two sets of circumstances. One being my junior officer, um, who was in charge of a team doing something, and the other being the senior officer above one of the nominal central player characters. Mm. I found there's very different experiences. The the junior officer found himself um, dashing about to and fro and being a junior... I'm not, I'm not claiming this was good role-playing. It was just me being an idiot. Um, dashing about to and fro and um, having um, ha- having panic moments and, and not listening to the advice of his uh, more wiser subordinates. The senior officer, who was over one of the other player characters, central player characters laid back and let other people do things because that was in his character. He also uh, didn't allow the two Marines that they were shepherding to get away with things. Well, the two Marines were as <laughs> insubordinate as Marines can ever be to Royal Navy officers. And I like the, the, the job that uh, the, 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 two, the players playing the Marines did of, um, of shepherding the incompetent officers while still actually more or less obeying their commands. Yeah, I think I think that the art of being subordinate is something that a lot of role players don't get. Yeah, and the the way I often see it done is 
that the commander says, right, we're going to do this general thing. Yeah. And the, the subordinate says, all right, well, part of this general thing is this, which is my specialty, so we're going to do that this way, and I will then go and do that, as it might be. I'm, I'm going to sneak across the wire and disable the alarm system. Uh-huh. And then you are going to... Uh, the, the, another specialist is, is going to sneak in and uh, crack the lock on the safe and steal the documents, or whatever it might be. Yeah. Um, so I, I think an officer who is giving detailed instructions to the... And we can define detailed quite carefully, as in do, do what, what the, the things that the, the subordinates would normally be deciding for themselves yeah. is an officer who's getting things wrong. Mm. Yes. And I think that's true in the real world as well. Um at least in a modern army, rather than your older conscript style, there is now an acceptance that most people, other than your basic line privates of whom there are fewer and fewer, are specialists of some sort. Yeah. Um, the guy with the radio knows more about how the radio works than you do. Mm. Uh, the guy driving the truck has more time driving trucks than you do. Yeah. And so on. So you, you say, right, drive, drive along this road to here rather than left hand down a bit. Yeah. The difficulty of letting other people do their job is a responsibility of the of the officer. There is a there is a point uh, there always comes a point because I suspect when I play an officer I'm a bit of a fuss budget. Um on which I say uh, oh and don't forget to do that and they say um either no sir I don't want to do that or yes sir in a tone of voice which means um Please go and teach your grandmother to suck eggs next. I, I believe one of the traditional formulations is, are you sure about that, sir? <laughs> Said in terms of extreme politeness. Yeah, I believe that is the... Uh, ye- yes, sir, um, I think I should point out at this moment in time um, ra- ra- um, that you're doing it wrong if you have to shout, duck, you fucking Rupert. <laughs> That, that it does seem to me, especially in a game where PCs are likely to die or take other sorts of long-term consequences, yeah. it is important at a metagame level that the player should have felt they they were in charge of the actions that led up to that. It's true, and one of the great pleasures of being uh, an officer is to say, I told you so, but that, but uh, and be allowed to get away with it. Uh, well, it's a bit like other interpersonal abilities. Um, very few players like being told, "Oh well, this this guy sounds really impressive, and you you think he's entirely trustworthy," or, "Oh right, well she's seducing you, and there's not really anything you can do about it." It, it it's it's a giving up of control thing. Yeah, the difficult part is to is to make the, it convincing. Um, the I think people, the players, will react better to. Um, I don't know. Will they react better to NPC? NPCs giving you orders um, are problem you have to deal with. Do people react better to player characters who are, you know, just these guys who you game game with, really giving them orders, even if orders are what they need? Well, I think it, you can distinguish between involved and non-involved order giving. Yeah. Um, the the uh, one can borrow ideas from television on this. The, the the guy at the beginning of the episode who says your your mission is. And yeah. then stays out of the way. It's certainly an NPC. Uh, if you've got someone who's going along with the player characters, then it's better to be a PC. I mean, you you, you remember the Dirty Grey Space Game, where yeah. we, we have a, we have a bunch of space grunts. They have an officer, mm. um, but that officer has read enough of the right books to realise that he is much less experienced than the grunts. Yeah. 
in terms of actually staying alive on these alien worlds. So he he is the interface with the corporate representative, and he he's the one who has all the administration skills. Mm. But he he is well aware that he's a whole lot less good as a marksman. Yeah. So he mostly lets the PCs get on with it. It's not entirely realistic, but it seemed to work for that particular game. The uh, and if, what what do you think if he'd ha- if he'd had a PC officer? Um, he would have been bored a lot of the time, or he would have been getting in the way. Yeah. I, I, I think this is the moment that we should tell the, to to give the secrets of the classic um, um, test of officer potential. You have a uh, the problem of a putting up a flagpole. Um, you have the flagpole and all, and some and some shovels and all the necessary bits, and you have a squad of. Uh, uh, of other ranks and a sergeant. What is the correct thing for the officer to do? Sergeant, I would like that flagpole over there. I'll be in my office. Uh, if you need me, uh, call me when you've finished is the correct, I think, means of proceeding. Which... One, one of my favourite orders to in an engineer section. Sergeant, that hill offends me. Make it go away. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're more likely to say, Sergeant, that hill offends the general. Make it go away. The, 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 the thing is... Most of us haven't had the uh, exposure, thanks be to God, of being in the armed forces or uh, or being conscripted or anything like that. So our understanding of these things is second-hand. Um, I'm not sure any particular person's exposure to a particular um, bunch of service would give them wisdom about all things. Yeah, I, I, I have run games... We're, we're including players who turned out after the fact to be ex-military and they didn't raise major objections, but they may have been being polite. Oh, that's true. We I, 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 I'm, I'm sure I'm not getting it completely right. Yeah. The is there? You'd have to tell us, our, our American listeners, is there a problem with uh, with PC subordination to uh, PC uh, superiors? The thing is that the if you do it. Right, uh, I, I, in my, in my um, uh, Earth eleven hundred game, I, the, the, the head of their, um, of, of their little colony was a player character. Um, he was the Lord of the Manor, and he spent most of his time, except for a few glorious occasions when he went out and short-sightedly fought noble battles, hmm. um, spent his time at home issuing orders and and chairing the the council. And the result was we moved into a uh, troop-style play thing where he had other, less competent characters who could go out and take part in the adventures and be embarrassed and be actually at the interface of mm. where the danger was. So it is possible to promote a player character out of the interesting stuff. That means you do end up with two levels of two levels or more of gaming going on, but I yeah. don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. This is a thing I've been, I've had in mind for my World War Two game. Um, if the player characters learn, for example, about Enigma, yeah. um, then they aren't going to be allowed out of the country anymore. Right. At which point we will need some new player characters. I was concerned in the earlier days that this might happen. It hasn't, and we're now in mid-44, so maybe it won't. Do they need to know about Enigma? Do they know? No, but it's something they could come across in the course of their uh, yeah. operations. Have magic and computers interacted yet? Refuse to comment. Right. 
Um, yeah, is it a problem? One, one, yeah, go. Is it a problem in, in other countries? Do you think are America? Do Americans players not like being given orders? I am. I am confused about the question. Why it was asked? Really? Um, I've I've run games for Americans back when I was going to Gen Con in the US. Um, not in a particularly military context, as far as I remember. So. I don't think the subject really came up. One one thing I think is worth considering, if, if you've got a point-by system like GURPS, yeah. rank costs points. It does. Uh, you can look at that in two ways. <laughs> what, what, one is officers are all less competent <laughs> than, than, than the grunts on the same point com- budget. Less specifically competent. Well, th- the thing is, the, the thing to consider is that that rank ought to be worth something. Yes. Now, um, yeah, you, it, don't, you don't want... Uh, yeah. Yeah, if, if it's not going to be in terms of ordering around the party... And I don't think that's a, that's a thing people should be encouraged to spend points on. Um, then I would say, very much like a wealthy character who backrolls the rest of the party, they should be able to use that rank for the good of the party as a whole. Um, yeah. For example, for getting resources or um, you know more, more chance of uh, avoiding the really horrible jobs or something of that sort. Some, something that's useful to the party's goals. Yeah. Well, the lieutenant commander in your Royal Navy game. Uh is the interaction with the, the first officer and the, and the captain. He is the one who goes up and says, excuse me, sir, we found a small problem. I wonder if uh, we could possibly requisition, ooh, ooh, the left of uh, the port uh, engine room, say for the next two days. And the, he won't the, be needing it. The, the rank is what lets him say that and get away with it to some yeah. extent, ju- just, just as charisma would help. Yeah, well, I, I'm not sure charisma helps in the Royal Navy. <laughs> <laughs> it's a specialised sort of charisma. Yeah. I think yes. The the I don't know. I I have the feeling that if you are in a position of rank, you should be able to issue the orders. And the, it as a note for for player characters who find themselves ordered to do something stupid, there there is an art to turning out to have been right all along and having warned warned the idiot. Um, there is an art to getting the idiot to see it your way and those are all mm-hmm. fun role-playing opportunities yep i certainly go along with that uh the another thing i think rank rank can be useful for is let's say you, you've got your band of pcs doing something yeah. um in a vaguely military setting uh so somebody who is a captain can can say right you men over there i want you to help with this mm. to a bunch of random npcs whereas a sergeant is less likely to get away with that yeah and I think it's worth remembering in a game of this sort that it, 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 rank should not be dead points. No, it, it, it should be useful in the immediate play. Well, yeah. Also, uh, uh, savoir-faire or etiquette or, uh, in the military field is not a useless skill. Absolutely. It is knowing, it's knowing um, that and administration are the skills of knowing... Um, well, who does what to whom, and who you ask for a particular sort of favour? Yeah, if if you need this particular thing, what's the official way of getting it, and what's the way that's likely to work? Yeah, both are, and, and they're probably there ought to be a, a military equivalent of street streetwise, but I'm not I'm not sure we need be entirely that. Well, in, in GURPS, that's rolled into yeah. subwoofer military. Yeah, the whole uh, the whole thing. If you're going to play in a military game, play play. You should. 
the player should understand or should be helped to understand the culture that they're in. I think it, it will vary a lot with the group. I mean, it's been a long time since I, I was in a group that wanted to play murder hobos, mm. for example. And I think if you had a group like that, they would be less likely to take well to the discipline of of a plausible military environment, never mind what actually happens in the game. Yeah. Than a group, you know, the, the, the people I'm with now are, are much happier with that. Partly, I think, because they trust each other that they're not going to mess around. Yeah. the One of the problems, one of the things that should be done, uh, the problem that should be answered when you're imagining far future or historical fantasy or whatever military units, is it should have its own culture and feel. It shouldn't just be the French Foreign Legion pasted into into space, though mm-hmm. Jerry Pornell did that and, and it wasn't that bad. But there should be a feel for um there should be a feel that we do these things these weird ways because of history, because of background. And that should be a thing that makes the place real. Yeah, it's particularly helpful if not everything that you talk about why we do things this way because of this story is turns out to be early 21st century or mid-20th or whatever. Or 19th or or, or stuff we know about. Yeah, yeah if, if, if you're in 2400 AD, there should have been something weird happening in 2200 AD. That has had an influence on, on the there, there should there, 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 there should be battles. There, there, there should be... Um, there should be battle honours on the on the units flag. There should be uh, honour colours colours. There, there there should be ways of wearing your uniform and insults you 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 you, you and tricks you use on the on the on the new uh, on the on the new recruits. There should be all that um, with with a bit of serial number filed off to make the thing work. I'm really not sure that they're going to be playing uckers in, 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 in the far future Royal Navy. I feel that the Royal Navy has... Uh, they're, they're having to give up a lot of a lot of traditions to move into space in the first place. Yeah. I think they, they will cling on grimly to, to a few that don't take up a lot of space and, and don't affect the operation of the ship. Yeah, true. May well have magnetic pieces, though. <laughs> Which puts kicking over the board um, uh, as a less useful tactic. Uh, you, we'll put, we'll put that in the show notes so you know what we're talking about. I think, I think, yeah, go, make, 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 if you're going to be in a military environment, make the military environment detailed and realistic and don't regard being told what to do as an imposition. You're not a free agent. You're, you have a duty and an obligation to the people. In your in, in in and you ought to feel proud that you're doing your unit. You're doing your your unit's work well. Yep, um, a, a thing that has been said by a lot of people who've been in combat is, I wasn't really really worried about um, you know serving my country or anything, but I I wasn't going to look bad in front of my mate in the next foxhole. Yeah. And uh, uh, and the 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 thought of bringing a disgrace to yourself. Bringing disgrace to to the uniform is it it's it's apparently a very strong thing. I've never served in the military, as we, for which, as I say, I am deeply grateful. But I understand this is a a leaning thing, and you have to be polite to people who used to be in the forces. That's the ones I know really rather nice people, mm. which probably helps. Yeah.
If you'd like to tell us about the game you always end up running, or the laws of magic or technology and how, how you exploit them, or your tales of adventure in the services and how you earn that ribbon, then please contact us at... Leave a comment on the website or podcast at tekeli.ly. We'll be back in the future when we hope it won't be so freezing bloody cold, or at least the council will remember to turn the bloody heaters on. Are you listening to Wickham District Council? Are you listening? Probably not. No, probably not. Next month. See you then.